there's something about knowing that you're not alone, which can give you so much strength to keep going. And uh, when you get really down, just having someone there who, like I said earlier, totally gets it without you having to explain it. Sometimes that's just all you need to keep yourself going. Because we're awesome and we're fun and we're very good looking. So I feel like... <laughs> like what? Okay, cool, bye. I like that, but I also... Oh, no, that's wrong. everybody. I am Allie here at um, the podcast called Angle, here with my co-host Tanuke, who is going to tell you a little bit about our guest today and what we do. Yes, we are so glad to have everyone here listening, joining us. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey. Of course, as you know, the Angled podcast is the podcast that talks about strength, resiliency, community, and taking angles toward success. We are so, so, so thrilled to have Tim McCarran here with us. A talented actor has made the shift to becoming a speech pathologist. And Tim, thank you so much for joining us, making time, and just spending a little bit of your evening telling us your story. Yeah, we are so stoked. Oh, I love this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. This is a real honor for me. Yay, I'm so glad. I definitely um, want to highlight the fact, like Tanuke said, angles towards success. And we've been meeting and talking to a lot of different people, and everybody has their own version of success and how they got to where they are. And that can be someone who's in their 20s, someone who's in their 60s, someone's in their 40s who has a couple, you know, maybe more kids than um, our friends do. And it's been really interesting to hear their take on this on their journey and telling us all those details. So, Tim, I would love if you could tell us a little bit about your background and why you do what you do. Absolutely. Uh, I can first start off by saying that I'm a person who's stutters and it's been something that's been with me since I was a kid and I I really first got into theater when I was doing my undergraduate because I realized that when I was on stage I didn't stutter at all and it was one of those it was one of my first experiences when I felt like I had a voice and I felt like the chains that were wrapped up around my voice are finally broken free and I just, I, I got really hooked on that feeling. Um, and then over the years, through some of the ups and downs that you can find trying to do acting in theater, I ended up coming back to really where everything started with speech therapy. And over the years, I had gotten some speech therapy that was well in tension, but maybe not the best for me. And then some other speech therapy that was really life-changing and I wanted to give that back to other uh, kids and adults who stutter as well and really help them in the way that I was helped. Yeah, I totally agree and that is exactly why we thought to call you because now define your routine today compared to what it was in college.
Well, <laughs> in college, I didn't have really any engagements or any responsibilities too much. Um, I spent many years in in uh, service industry jobs, working at coffee houses and at restaurants, and which are fine and really great places to work. But I was using it. I was working there as an excuse to really try to hide my stutter. I would do everything I possibly could to make sure nobody knew that I stuttered. So having a job where I could kind of be on the fly and help people in that way and sort of be uh, like not in the main spotlight was where I felt like I could thrive. So I was doing a lot of that. And I was, when I was in school, I was doing all my theater and outside of school, it was really just trying to audition and also making sure that nobody heard me stutter. And at, at an audition, you, one of the first things you do is you go up there and you introduce yourself. You say, hi, I'm Tim McCarran and I'm blah, blah, blah. And for many people who stutter, their names are one of the hardest things that they can say. A very common trait for people who stutter is that you will stutter on your name. Uh, and so right when you're in the audition, as, as soon as you walk in the room, you're, you're on. And the first words out of your mouth, if you can't get them out, a lot of times the casting director is already made up their mind. Um, and it was, it was hard for me to really, to really show them that I, I do have the skills and I could if they just took a chance on me and let me learn my lines and I could do it really well. But so that's a, a long-winded answer as to where what my everyday life was like maybe 10 or 12 years ago. Um, and now I'm, I'm married, I have two kids, and I work at a school. Um, I work at a charter school for children with special needs. And I, it's, so it's a very different lifestyle now. And it's a very different kind of everyday routine and my priorities are have really shifted I only imagine Tanuke do you have kids that stutter at, in the age that you teach um to be honest I so I teach as well and right now I do not teach any kids who stutter or stammer or what have you but my little brother and little sister both do. Oh my so gosh! When I talk to them. We often have, <laughs> we have well, extremely engaging dialogue. But it's it's also about me listening and about ensuring that people who I love, who are very close to me, are extremely comfortable. First off, and secondly, that um, I really allow for them to share. And I also have an aunt now that I think about it who stutters as well. <laughs> Oh my God. But when she's calm, that's not, that doesn't often happen. And now that I'm just thinking of people who are just very close to me, it's just a, a natural occurrence that I see among three family members who are very close. <laughs> but I, when I think about students and, and schooling and how much of a joy and a relief it must be for your students to see you, Tim, and to work with you, um, I can imagine that it must bring a lot of peace to them to say, oh, there's someone who knows my journey and I can 
understand uh, strategies and skills um, can be acquired so that I can be able to still thrive, you know? So I think that's really lovely. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really love, like, working with kids and who have any kind of communication difficulty, whether it's stuttering or something else entirely, because I love to show them that having having a communication disorder is not the same as being an ineffective communicator. Like, I know so many people who right. are ineffective communicators and they don't have anything wrong with them. And <laughs> I know so many people who stutter who are very effective communicators. See, that's fascinating. And I love showing them that. Yeah, yeah I love showing kids and adults mm -hmm. even too that that you can still get by and you can thrive. And as long as you take ownership <clears throat> right. and do what you've got to do, it's really nothing that can hold you back from anything. See, that wow. that amazes me. And that's really right. what I want to ask you about because I know a lot of people, not even just with a stutter, for instance, like with similar issues when it comes to learning at a younger age. And <clears throat> so many of them are just like, screw it. I don't like these teachers. I can't do this. Like they don't have that oomph, whatever, like clicked inside of you to be like, okay, well, I'll try something else or I can move past mm -hmm. this, or I'm just going to get help for this and get better. And I'm curious what you think was different in you, or was it the people around you? Was it your community of family? Like, I, I know your parents, and I love them, and they're amazing, and I bet you that was part of it. So if you could explain why you think you had that impetus to actually be better and, and find a workaround. Well, it, it actually didn't happen until I was probably in my mm. mid-20s. Mm -hmm. um, I, I spent so many years trying to hide my stutter. And I, I ended up becoming what, what we call in the biz, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we call a covert stutterer. And what I would do is whenever I felt one coming on, I would change change my word, or I would toss in a filler word uh, like um or like or you know things like that to right, kind of right. throw that in and kind of bounce over the stutter, or I would just <clears throat> stop talking and I I wouldn't let people see me stutter, and that was going fine for so long, but the amount of mental energy that it takes to always be thinking three to five words ahead of what you're saying to try and make sure that you're not going to say a word with a sound that's hard for you to say. And anyway. if you have to, it, it's just exhausting. And then you become so used to speaking in that way that it becomes a habit. And then the the disability that you have is more from those secondary behaviors than from the actual stutter. And then wow. inevitably you always find yourself in a situation where you can't change your words and you have to say, you, know, you have to say your name or you, you're on the phone and you have to give some personal identifying information. And, mm -hmm. right. and then your mind and your body <clears throat> are so not used to stuttering that when it happens, it becomes so much more severe and intense that 
the people around you, they don't know that you stutter because you've done such a good job. And so then they see you going into this really strong block or strong repetition and they're, they're worried about you. They think something's wrong. They think you're having an episode when you're really just trying to say your name in front of your friends when you're ordering a coffee. So I ended up at a point where that was just too much and it wasn't worth it anymore. Yeah. And it kind of coincided with when I first moved out to New York uh, after college to pursue theater. I also, uh, I also got involved with a, with a stuttering uh, treatment program out there. And it was an intensive therapy program. Uh, it was at the American Institute for Stuttering. And it was a three-week long, like Monday through Friday, nine to four sort of program. And it was all really, it was really intense. And it was unlike any stuttering treatment I'd ever had before, because they were the first ones who said, for one thing, at this age, you're probably going to have this for the rest of your life. Oh, my God. And secondly it's okay to stutter. And I was in my early to mid twenties before I first heard anyone, before anyone told me that it's, it's okay what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. Let's just show you how to make it easier and not as hard on your body and on your mind. That's so cool. If I could just like, cause I, and I say that because you know, my little brother, Ben, as Tim knows, um, is a theater major. And the how do I explain this? The way you just explained approaching a student who wants to get better because of stuttering and, like, fix, like figure that out, <clears throat> that was such a good way to talk to them in a positive way to approach the t- – you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't threatening. It wasn't, like, everyone's better than you. Deal with it. Move on. Whereas, like, as a theater major for Ben, he's being told – oh, well, you're probably not going to get that or that or that. But, like, you know, still show up, and we're still going to tell you whenever you're wrong. Like, And it's just, like, this totally different approach, which maybe Tanuke happened at, at school, I don't know, as a drama student, but I just am so moved by the way someone would have talked to you, Tim. Like, that that's so encouraging. Like, day one, encouraging. And I don't know how common that is, and that speaks volumes for that program, I, I, in my opinion. I mean, Tanuke, do you feel the same way? I think when it comes to both theater and theater training programs, each one, of course, is unique within its own right. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least my understanding is there's often like a stripping down of the person to help to rebuild. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if the rebuild always happens. So I know we're in the, this craft where a person has to be vulnerable beyond belief and, you know, you bear your whole self to become another character and all of these things. And every, right. depending upon, you know, what director you're with afterward or what the production is or what the role requires, there is support and there sometimes is not. Um, but I think what I, I like the most about where you found yourself, Tim, is this this complete acceptance of the self, acceptance of what is, and acceptance of the way words come out of your mouth. And I think that is so powerful. Um, I've seen those who 
as actors try to change or shift or push themselves to become other versions of themselves. And sometimes for the sake of growing into a character, that can be um, an exercise that someone can do to become <laughs> a different version of themselves to play a role, right? And then they <clears throat> shed that role afterward. But what I often think is powerful is when someone says, you know, this is who I am, this is, this is my true identity, and embracing that has power in and of itself as well. Um, listening to you, you share, I think of James Earl Jones a lot, and I remember showing early interviews oh. um, with, my, with my family members, like, hey, like, did you know that Mufasa, when he was growing up, stuttered too? And he doesn't really talk about it. And now he's one of the most well-known voices in Disney history and Star Wars, you know, which is, you know, Lucasfilm's Disney. Nevertheless, I just, <laughs> I think it's interesting that we have these incredible artists who carry this weight on their shoulders of physically, whether it's, you know, communicating differently or, or thinking differently or, or, or processing things at a, at a pace that's unique to them. I, I find it incredible. And um, even seeing Amanda <clears throat> Gorman speak at the inauguration, and she's this incredible young artist from LA, wears all yellow all the time, and she talks about having <laughs> um, right. challenges with speech, right? <laughs> like, she talks about her, her challenges and what she's had to do to become, you know, a poet laureate at such a young age. So hearing you, Tim, say, I had to do this intensive where they said it's okay. Like, I think that's empowering. And for people who are listening, yeah. it, it makes me think, why would one, you know, try to try to hide something, whether it's shame or, um, you know, sometimes I teach middle school, sometimes kid, kids can be pretty intense. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I really appreciate hearing you say that 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 part that embracing the truth of the way words come out of your mouth was something you learned in your twenties, and I think that's incredible. Yeah, and the funny thing about it too is that I find that the more that I own up to the fact that I stutter, and the more that I allow myself to stutter, and the more that I talk about stuttering, the less I end up stuttering. Right. It's more, the more that I try to hide it, that's when I stutter. Is, it's a mind game. It totally is. And, the, and for me, mostly the stuttering moment is me trying to hide my stutter or I feel it and I want to get it over with quickly. But if I just, <laughs> right. if I just let it be there, then I can just kind of guide it through so I can keep on with my message and not let that become the message. Wow. Yeah. And here we are saying, Tim, talk about it. Talk about stuttering. I love talking about stuttering. I hope stuttering. it's just easy. <laughs> but it's just so cool because I, I, I don't know, I just feel like that's such a testament to a kind of being human. Right. Like, because if you, as an actual speech therapist now, would you explain stuttering as an actual speech impediment or is it a psychological process? It's it's, it's a tricky bag because there's certainly it's a it's a neurological speech disorder. Ah, okay. So there's yes. there's a Every neurological year. component, mm -hmm. and there's uh and there's obviously the uh, speech motor components when right in in what everyone sees on the outside when they think of stuttering what they see 
is some more of those motor components of it is more the the after effect when really it's a more of a neurological condition hmm. um, and wow. and the weird thing is about it that it's very common in kids uh, it's much more common in kids than it is adults um, but about 80% or so of kids who stutter will just naturally on their own stop stuttering. Hmm. And Wow, so it goes away sometimes from childhood? Yeah, yeah. There's this spontaneous recovery that... Um, and wow. oftentimes it's largely independent of any therapy. Hmm. And, and certain, like, certainly early stuttering therapy for kids can really help push them in the direction of that spontaneous recovery, but... A lot of the times it just happens. And then there's those few of us, those lucky few, <laughs> where it just stays. And after you hit a certain age, if you still stutter by a certain age, it's, it's going to be there in varying forms of intensity and severity, but it's going to be there for the rest of your life. I mean, I, I must say, that's, I, what's, or this is why I asked about the um, neurological piece, because... I find myself trying to explain things too fast and talking too mm. fast in general, and I totally will start stuttering, and I'm totally aware of it, and I'll say, oh, oh, sorry, I, I just can't talk, and I'm just like, whoa, like, why, and that's all in my head. If I just, like, slow down and mm -hmm. think before I speak and, like, organize my thoughts, I probably <laughs> wouldn't stutter, so I'm like, do I have one, or is that just my motor skills that I should be no, no, about? That's, no, you don't stutter, but <laughs> okay. on the on the on the same on the same idea, though, everybody stutters, right? And right, it's right. just like I think young people who stutter, they have this dream that's like I just want to get rid of my stutter and sound like yeah. everybody else. But everybody stutters, and nobody is totally fluent. It's just, mm, it's just a normal thing that happens. But then there's those few of us with an actual stuttering disorder where no matter how much we think of our words first, no matter how slow we talk, there's always going to be stutters there. Mm -hmm. And they'll, wow. they'll probably be very minor, but there's always going to be some kind of stutter there that's much less of like a motor planning than it is that neurological component. But mm -hmm. yeah. except there is an easy way to cure yourself of stuttering and it's just to not talk. <laughs> like if you don't talk at oh all, <laughs> you won't stutter. And that's, there's no stutter. And, there's no sound. Right. But, and I think like many kids, that's what they think that's their idea of a solution is if I just don't speak, then no one's going to laugh at me. If I don't speak, they're not going to hear me and they're not going to hear me stutter. So you can totally cure it, but that's not really the end goal is not to cure it because drastic measure. Yeah. And your social skills are like weird or not, I should say weird, but you know, they get, a, they're affected by that. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I am just and no. Calling all the kids weirdos. Sorry. <laughs> well, I did. I didn't want to ask a question. I want to. My my thought is that with theater, there's kind of an an override 
where like nerves or adrenaline or whatever kicks in and then memory kicks in. And like, for me, I found that when I did theater, there was a shift when the character's words became my own and all of the practicing of saying those words over and over again allowed for me to like jump into performing. For you, Tim, did you find that when you worked on theater, there was a way to kind of like override the stuttering and that becoming a character or performing publicly or the addition of an audience or any of those factors, did those play into or help when you spoke publicly? I think it was, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think certainly one of the biggest components for me was the memory. Um, I always tried to learn my lines as quick as I could because that seemed to help. But even if I learned all my lines in the rehearsals, I would still stutter. And over time, it would get less and less and less. And then by the time that it was that we were doing the performances, that it was opening night, I largely wouldn't stutter at all. And I think it does also have to do with that you're, you're in the mindset of your character. You are your character. And even if you're not speaking, at least for me, even if I wasn't using an accent or a dialect, there was still a very subtle change in how I carried my voice. And I think, too, that change in the voice happened when you have to project so you can reach those seats mm -hmm. in the back row. I think all of those work to just, yeah, like you said, override. And there is a little bit more input maybe from the right side of your brain when your normal speech center is on the left side of your brain. But then when you start to become the, the, the character that you are and start to embody the role and start to really think of yourself as that person and you're using your imagination and you're using your more artsy right side of your brain, there is that override. Mm. But Whoa. every so often though, sometimes still, one would sneak in and, <laughs> but, so you can never be completely rid of it, but that's okay because everyone stutters a little bit. Because we're human. Is, right? is that why you think that stutter, like your stutter got better or sometimes wasn't there when you performed? Because I thought it would have been memory piece. Like you just memorized it, it came out, it was like a flood of words and less room mm -hmm. for error or something. But it sounds like it was literally still embracing the person and having to like think differently. I think it's a little bit of everything and it's a little mm -hmm. bit of both. Um, yeah. I think for sure there's more of that, that memorization and, and, but also more of the psychological piece too. Yeah. And it's like when you sing, anybody who stutters never stutters when they sing because singing comes from, from a different part of your brain, from a different side of your brain. It's more of that right side so cool. activation. So you can sing and you won't stutter at all. Or there's this other effect called choral reading oh, where a person who stutters when they read out loud a lot of times they'll stutter too. At least for me, I stutter a lot when I'm reading mm -hmm. out loud. But if you get two people reading the same words at the same time, mm -hmm. they can even be two people who 
stutter, they'll say it perfectly fluently with zero stutters at all. Wow. Which is just mind-blowing to me. There's even some therapy tools that kind of use that idea, um, and they do something called delayed auditory feedback to kind of mimic that in your own in your own voice so you wear this hearing aid that has a microphone and it it can pick up what you're saying while you're saying it and play it in your ear a split second after you say it so you can kind of teach yourself to imagine you're reading with someone else um although that kind of tool isn't for everybody who stutters and it's it can and that doesn't always work long term mm-hmm. um, so it's a it's an option for some people who stutter but certainly not for everybody I find that choral reading often helps a my students who are still learning vocabulary words and B um, just students who like a sense of community because I find that when we're looking at you know a chunk of text there might be new words words that some students are familiar with, but just kind of the act of reading as a group takes a lot of the stress off. And I find that in a Zoom setting, it's so different because Zoom doesn't really allow for that overlap of sound. So it's like you might hear one piece there. Yeah, you know what I'm I mean, a victim it's of like, that. It's uh-huh. hard. Oh, girl. And then there are delays. From the girl, time. I'm like. I don't want to cut you off though. I already have delays in my conversation. I just like Zoom was the death. I was like, I'm just pauses are healthy. Pauses are good. Wait. Yeah. Yes. But I'm glad you said community because I want to circle back to that question Um, for Tim. Now, clearly, the stutter is the obvious big obstacle that you have always had to live with and learn to live with and have overcome. In, I mean, took strides to. I mean, it's just amazing. Where do you think your community played a role in you achieving goals that you probably thought in the beginning, I can't do this because I stutter? So, like, you clearly got past it. So do who around you and what around you do you think helped you the most in getting past it? One of the, one of the most helpful parts of community for me was a community of other people who stutter mm. for so long myself and many others that I know of, you don't really always know anyone else who stutters. And you can go your whole life sometimes without seeing or hearing anyone else that does. And it's such an isolating feeling where you already feel like you're on an island and then never meeting anyone else like you just makes you feel so utterly alone. But... So once I started meeting other people who stutter, I wanted to surround myself with them. Because even if we don't talk about stuttering all the time when I'm with other people who stutter, (laughs) it's just having that sense of knowing that there's someone else who gets it without you having to explain it. And so I think what really helped was finding that support group of other people who stutter. And by going to a support group, I, I started to go to a monthly 
support group for people who stutter to just kind of surround myself with them and to sometimes talk about stuttering, sometimes talk about anything else in the world, but just that sense of knowing that you're not alone and that you don't have to suffer through it alone is so, so helpful. And it, and it's so helpful for me now that now I'm, um, I'm one of the co-leaders of the Minneapolis chapter of the National Stuttering Association. And I, I help to lead these group meetings and I like to think that it's helpful for everybody who comes, but it's so helpful for me that I look forward to our monthly times when we can be together and just, I can hear other people who stutter. There's something about knowing that you're not alone, which can give you so much strength to keep going. And uh, when you get really down, just having someone there who, like I said earlier, totally gets it without you having to explain it. Sometimes that's just all you need to keep yourself going. That's so huge. I feel like that goes back, can, that can relate to almost every stage of life. I mean, even from like that, it's like our, our human primal nature almost, like everything you just said, you know, even as a fifth grader, finding somebody to sit with at lunch, <laughs> it's going to be someone that looks or acts or does something that you do because that, I think that's, I don't know if this is a real thing um, in psychology, but like a social anxiety, right? Like the idea, like that fear of having to actually explain something to someone that you don't know, like that that's a big deal, like as a person evolving and having to socialize, like that's scary. You don't want to have to do that right away. You have to like ease into it. And I think that's a perfect example of just walking into a room and being like, Oh, my people, like, I don't right. need to feel funny here, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you probably do see that at school. Well, when you actually go to your classroom to new guy and I haven't been there in a while, yeah, but like, I, do, do you see that happening? I do. I think if anything, I see the, the true desire for camaraderie and yeah. maybe it's over some thing that the two or three or group of students might have in common Um, but more than anything, I think it's like getting past the challenge and the awkwardness because I teach middle school right now and I've taught all grades at this point, but, but something about middle school, it's, it's a really lovely and, um, transforming stage that one can find oneself in. We've all been there, (laughs) but, but I think kids Mm -hmm. often flock, you know, kids often flock to those that they have a lot of similarity that they, with whom they share similarities. They, they will find fun ways to bond. Um, and, and I like seeing that. And for them, it's like there's safety in numbers, right? There's this empowering feeling you can mm. find when someone just understands intrinsically what you've been through without having to, you know, map it out and, and, and ask, you know, have you, seen this and that can be part of the bonding process too but it's nice when someone knows on on a deeper level what it's like to experience a stammer what it's like to deal with very thick glasses what it's like to you know potentially be bound to a wheelchair and there are some um Mm -hmm. conditions that can be seen there are some that are not as visible immediately like with stuttering you never know if someone does 
until you know you have a listen or someone shares. But I think it's <laughs> interesting. It's really interesting to see, and it makes me think, Tim. Are there um, points or motivating things? Because what you've shared so far is like across the board, just quite motivating and like very like heart centered. Like I'm listening, I'm like, yes, this is like this is all about heart and and truth and honesty in what we say and what we share and how we how we regard ourselves in the world. Do you have um, bits of advice you you give to your students? For me, for example, I tell my eighth graders to just choose kindness, lead with kindness, um, and and try to take on the challenges of life in, in a way where um, you, you, you use your community to, you work with your community to your advantage. I, I know that in eighth grade, there's so much happening, but I always tell my students, even on a stressful day, make the kind choice. <laughs> like, even if it's a teacher who's bugging you, make the kind choice because we're all very human. Um, whether we want to admit it or not, we are all human. Oh. <laughs> So I, I if only wonder, I had to Newgate in eighth grade. Man, I'm sure I drive them crazy. Oh gosh, I do. I'm sure I drive them nuts with my upside down uh-uh. emojis and my my happy faces. But, <laughs> but I try to keep it real with them because eighth graders keep it real with you. I try. But is there an, is there a, like a tidbit that you often find yourself a philosophy you find yourself circling back to? Yeah, I think I think I come back to I like to center my thoughts and a lot of advice I give on on your voice because for me so much my childhood was trying to hide my voice and now I I work with a lot of kids and not all of them stutter in fact very few of them stutter but they all have some kind of challenge in their communication a, a challenge in their voice but just like you said, how we're all human and we all have a voice and mm-hmm. our voices are so unique. Some of us, like me, st- stutter. Some of my students, they are nonverbal and they use a communication right. device to help them speak and that's their voice. And other kids, they may speak in a very flat, monotonous voice with little emotion or change and that's, and that's mm-hmm. your voice. And everyone has a voice, and every voice deserves to be heard. Oh, gonna cry. When you, when you, when you love your voice, that's when it really brightens up, and that's when you can really command a room. And there's such a powerful feeling when you have an audience who are hanging on to every word of your voice that's coming from you, and that's you, and you're doing it, and you own it. And just love your voice. And sometimes you have to learn how to love your voice. And you have to let yourself do it. But yeah, so mainly just you gotta let it you gotta let your voice be heard. And your voice is worth being heard. You deserve to be heard. I, I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Sorry. <laughs> So fun. I'm like everything you say, yes, and I, just, <laughs> I know, like seriously. <laughs> I'm like, yes, and I just I almost want to bottle that and share that with singers as well. Because I find that singers, of course, you know, in the world of theater, not everyone sings, but the- singers go through the the ringer, whether it's preparing for an audition, changing the voice, sing higher, lower, beltier, or what have you, straight toned or more vibrato or more riffing. 
And I, I find that that philosophy, own your voice, love your voice, and let it be what it naturally is, is something that is so healthy. And I don't often hear um, shared as much as I think it should be in the world where the voice is the focus of the craft, right? Whether it's you know theater, or whether it's singing, um, and in this case, we're speaking in the world of speech pathology specifically. But I just think that's such a great mindset to have, to share in a lot of different capacities. I totally agree. I actually, the first thing you said, Tim, when we got on uh, today was, so Tanuke, your name is going to be hard for me because it's one of my trigger syllables or something. And I was just like, do you th are thinking, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, would you have even been comfortable walking into a room and explaining that? I mean, maybe not. I would have never, I would have never brought up the fact that I stuttered. If yeah. you would, if you were to offer me a million dollars, I never would have done it. And now it's, it's one of the first things I do when I'm on the phone or when I'm having a meeting. Um, I have a, I have a lot of meetings with families of the students that I work with. And I like to start off by saying, I just want to let you know, I stutter, you may hear it. And it's maybe like, 10% so they understand what's going on, but it's 90%. So now the cat's out of the bag and they know that I stutter. Yeah. And it's yeah. like giving myself permission to stutter in front of them because I don't have to hide yeah. it because now they know. So yeah, I yeah. 10 so years sense. ago, I would have never done that. But now, yes, I am See, all about huge. advocating for yourself and mm -hmm. and just getting it out there because I feel like and I feel like this about anything not just about stuttering but how you yourself how you share something and how you carry yourself about whatever's going on in your life just sets the tone to how everybody around you should react to it so if I'm trying to, for stuttering, hide my stutter, and if I feel myself coming into one and I look down or look away or use a filler word to try and jump around it, you may not know what's going on, and it'll make you feel like, like obviously he's uncomfortable, so I shouldn't be seeing this, and I should be uncomfortable. Oh, and then nice. the person who stutters reads their nonverbal body language that they're feeding off of that of them themselves and it just it's this downward spiral but if i just say to someone hey i stutter they'll get this sense of ownership that i have about it and that oh okay it's not a big deal for him so it's not going to be a big deal for me and confidence confidence and just being in the moment and being real with yourself and yeah. not trying to be what other people may think you should be, but just being who you are and loving that and accepting it and using it as your strength. Oh my God, Tanuki, did he just say that? This is like, that. this is literally like <laughs> the conversation Tanuki and I had when we first talked about this podcast. I was like, we right. need to highlight people's strengths. There are yes. people walking down the street that no one knows anything about. Their voice should be heard. They're doing yeah. all these, and it's like Tim literally That's said exactly. it all, and we didn't tell him anything. 
<laughs> well, I think it's because you're living it, Tim. I yes. Think it's it, it is your, it's your journey, and it's 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 the the challenges that you have faced that have turned into victories, and it's the motivation that you share with your students. And I just yes, and to everything, Allie. I just feel like the goal. I, but you just said it so beautifully, things, right? Eloquently, it's just literally a little bow on it. It's great. <laughs> It's like actually like a sparkly present. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I can't even, yeah. I mean, challenges turned victories. You know, this is why I called Tanuke one day and I was like, you're going to say everything the right way. And here we are. Um, But yeah, I, I, cause I, I was going to, like you just say it so well. Um, But that's, I wanted to kind of have you like say that Tim. like, do you think this is the biggest obstacle or how do I put this more so the, what was the biggest obstacle in your day-to-day life has now turned into, as Tanuke said, a huge victory, bigger than what the obstacle even was, I feel like. Would you agree? Or how, like which parts of your journey with stuttering do you think actually made you not only a better person, but like a more well-rounded, um, successful human being? Oh, yeah. Something that I like to do with a lot of the people that I work with is I like to ask them, what do you like about your stutter? Like what good things have come from your stutter? Cause there's always something mm-hmm. for me. It's empathy and patience. I am so willing to wait with someone and be, and show them empathy, or empathy, because I know that I have so much stuff going on under my surface too. And, but yeah, I feel like just being able to accept it was the biggest obstacle. And it's not like a switch. It's, a, it's an everyday obstacle and it's an everyday choice to let other people hear me stutter because I've gotten quite good at hiding it. That it's a daily ch- choice to let it go through and so it's it's almost like an ongoing obstacle really but it's it has given me so much grief over the years that now I can turn it on its head and actually get something from it and use it to help people and I don't want to milk that for all it's worth that's the coolest thing ever that is (laughs) oh that's exactly what's up because so many people I'm telling you would be like well, yeah, I, like, have this thing. I don't really go out. But, like, right. you totally took it by the horns, Tim, and you're like, oh, I'm going to make a career out of this stupid issue mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be an issue. Like, you know what I, I mean? Help people, right. Yeah. So I think that is awesome. I mean, all that said, do you? how would you define success? Like, to you, what is it? For me, personally, success... So this goes back to what I said earlier about how I'm a covert stutterer, how <laughs> I spent so many years hiding it. So really then the struggle is letting people hear me stutter. So from that definition, success is me stuttering. So the better I'm doing, the more I will be stuttering and the more you'll hear me stutter. So my version of success is stuttering and letting it happen. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's going to be 
Like I'm going to work on them so my stuttering moments are present, but they're, they're manageable and they're not distracting to my message. But for me, success is just allowing myself to just, or it's, it's like not letting stuttering control my life. It's speaking the words in my heart. Mm. Whether or not I stutter, and knowing that I will stutter, and still saying them, and letting myself stutter, and letting other people hear me stutter yeah. is success for me. And so, circling back to theater, too, um, mm. there was an Irish playwright, Samuel Beckett, and he once said something that I really think when I think of success, I think of this. And he said, Ever tried? Ever failed? No matter. Try again. Fail again. Fail better. And I love that so much. I I turned it into stuttering because that's what my struggles tend to be about. And I I am. And it's so important to me that I got it tattooed on myself so I never forget. And it says, stutter again. Stutter better. Oh my God! Stutter better. Talk That's about right. owning it. Is there any other way better to own it, Tanuke? Have you heard There's any a other? Ver- it. Like, listen. Sometimes you just need to tattoo your personal truth where you can see it every day. Woo! I just feel like That's right. you That's just have to right. put it in a place where you know it lives on your body, and that can help with embracing the truth of what is. I think that's so powerful. I think there's so much time spent in life, hiding, um, backing away from, shying away from what it is that is the truth in order to, I don't know, not be teased, perhaps make other people comfortable. Um, But hearing you say that, and and Samuel Beckett wrote some pretty powerful stuff. I feel like it's so great to embrace you know what I mean? In, embrace the core of what it is a person does. And I think sometimes when you get it inked onto you, it's, it's a nice little reminder yeah. that it's like owning it for life. It's yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> right. It'll be with me for as long as that tattoo is with me. <laughs> so they might as well go down the road hand in hand. Right. I mean, I don't know. I think the next step will be... Maybe if I rent out a billboard and just say, hey, I stutter. <laughs> like, that'll be the next step for me. Like an interactive <laughs> one that's like, yeah. you talking? Yeah. Like... <laughs> that's great. Well, that's, wow. I mean, yeah. Did you ever think you'd be doing this? Did you ever think when you went to lacrosse, like to school for the first year, that you would have anything like a job like this? Never in a million years. I <laughs> wanted to be a hundred miles away from anything stuttering related. Oh. I hated talking about it. I hated seeing it in movies and films. I hated yeah. it in the media. It makes but sense. now I surround myself in it. <laughs> so like, if I think chocolate is my problem, should I just surround myself you in should it? Just have you gotta jump in that chocolate river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta pull the Augustus Gloop style. <laughs> That's right. Oh my god. Oh, yeah. that yep. is such a great mantra. I mean, what would you want to leave everybody with? Yeah. 
I know we kind of talked about your philosophy, but like if you had to, this is a loaded one, like life advice or like the Tim way, like what do you want to let people leave with? I would say to just be, you don't have to be funny. You don't have to be smart or pretty. You don't have to be what anyone wants you to be. You don't have to be what you want yourself to be. Just be. It's so cool. I mean, if you have anyone that, you know, you think would want to talk about this, not the same thing, but has a similar experience, like, please let us know because, um, it would be good to talk to them. Everything you said is just so on point and so inspiring. You're just like, why am I worried about stuff? Why don't I just do it like Tim did it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're really just happy to talk to you. And I think when people are listening and tuning in, I, I, my hope is always that they'll say, yes, okay, someone else <laughs> out there is going through the thing I'm going through, whether it's restarting a business or pivoting in a career or moving yeah. to a new country or starting up owning something, you know what I mean? Or saying, I'm going to make this shift because I want to help the next generation of those who have lived through something that's a challenge and get through their challenges too. It's, it's so cool. So it's just great to, to get your perspective, hear how you've gotten to be you know, where you are and, and just hear how you've balanced your challenges and embraced them in such a meaningful way. Uh, well, so thank you. Absolutely. I, was, I, love, I love sharing my story because I know that I didn't know many people like me when I was a kid. And I'm trying my very best to make sure that no one has to feel that way. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to really share my story and to explain where I'm coming from. So Allie, thank you. And Tanuke, thank you as well. So no, thank you again and give hugs to the babies. And hopefully the next time you're here, you'll get to meet Tanuke. I would love that very much. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Oh, wait. Should we make him stay till we download? Crap. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> Hold on. That's okay, because I was about to say, I don't know how to leave. <laughs> <laughs> usually, there's a, usually there's a red button to press. If you would like to re-listen or find us elsewhere, we are on Spotify, Stitcher, as well as Apple. And you can find us by looking up Angled Podcast. And of course, check us out on Instagram as well under the same name, The Angled Podcast. Yes, perfect. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next time. What's your angle?